Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Bill Valley by Choice. I'm your host, Nana Bonsu, and we have a special guest today who is going to be talking about business owner burnout. How do we recognize the signs, how to prevent it, and what strategies we can use to deal with it if and when it occurs? Our guest today is Michael D. Levitt. Michael Levitt is the founder and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, which is a San Diego and Toronto-based burnout consulting firm. He's a keynote speaker on the great resignation, quiet quitting, and burnout. He's the host of the Breakfast Leadership Show, a certified natural linguistic programming therapist, a Fortune 500 consultant, and the author of his latest book, Burnout Proof. Welcome to Build Value by Choice, Michael. Great to be with you today. Wonderful. Obviously, a very impressive uh, resume. You've done a lot of things. So I want to start off by asking you, what inspired you to make burnout prevention and management such a priority in your life? Uh, for me, it was a personal journey with burnout back in 2007. I was hired as a healthcare executive just outside of Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Um, a dual citizen, originally born in the U.S. and immigrated to Canada in 2004 and became a citizen in 2011. So I like to joke that I can vote and screw up two countries, but then I leave it there. I don't tell people who I vote for because half of them would be mad at me. So I just, you know, I don't want to, you know, even engage that. I, I But I do tell people we have a lot more in common than we don't. And I think as a society, we all need to focus on those common ground areas and then we can work on the other things as we go along. But to get back to your original question, in this role as a healthcare executive, I was responsible for recruiting physicians, hiring staff, navigating literally a last minute site relocation for our clinic and you know just you know working with the government because in in Canada the healthcare system is funded by the government so your funding comes from the government so that means you're working with government filling out all the paperwork and reports and and working with them hand in hand on things and that is sometimes not anybody that's ever worked with uh, government paperwork and reporting knows that can be a, a stressful thing. But during this role, uh, even though it was a startup and I was an employee, I treated it as it was my business. And that was a big mistake on my part because I didn't have ownership in it. I was just an employee, but I was treating it as if I owned it and wasn't really good at delegating things. And I was taking on way too much work. And I was basically working from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. seven days a week for a good two years. And it all came to a crashing halt in May of 2009, where in a period of 369 days, so just over a year from May 2009 to May 2010, the following things happened to me. I had a heart attack that should have killed me. And then 17 weeks later, I lost that job during the Great Recession. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with where Windsor, Ontario is, it's across the border from Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. If you remember, the U.S. government had to bail out the auto sector because yeah. a couple companies filed bankruptcy because they were there. And because that area still to this day is heavily dependent on the auto sector, there wasn't any jobs to be found. So here I am 17 weeks after a heart attack and unemployed. So I was unemployed for quite a while, and I finally found a job uh, which required a relocation. And then between the time of relocating and then eventually moving the family up to the new town that we lived in, uh, my car was repossessed and our home was foreclosed. So heart attack, job logs, car repossession, home foreclosure, all in a year. And all those things happened to me because I was burned out. 
when I was burned out, all those things happen. And, you know, during our conversation, I'll share what were the things, you know, the signs of burnout, you know, what is burnout and, and what are some of the things that I could have done uh, to prevent those things from happening? Well, that leads right into my next question, which is that why do um because you mentioned that you were treating us you know as your own business and my my hope there is that just because it's your business you have to you know do what you did but that's 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 something that we're going to be talking about in the course of the show what is it about business owners that make them think that they have to um you know not delegate and do all these things so my next question would be uh which basically follows up what you just said which is that why do business owners uh, so often experience burnout and what are the signs to look out for a lot of business owners, especially when they're just starting, you know, they are everything. They're every role from the bookkeeper to the janitor to the CEO to everything in between. And what happens is when you're trying to do everything to build a business, that eats up a lot of time. And if you're not taking proper care of yourself and monitoring your energy levels and making sure you get good sleep and, and all of that, it can catch up to you. I was guilty of not being very good at delegation because I was afraid that I would burn out my employees, ironically, and I ended up burning out myself. So, you know, a key thing is to focus on you know, if there's one tip is you got to make sure that you, you know, delegate the things that somebody else can do. So it frees you up to do the things that only you can do. And the reason a lot of times the burner burnout happens, excuse me, with business owners, again, is because they need, quote unquote, the business to generate a lot of revenue because they've left the comfort of a, quote unquote, nine to five for what I like to joke, the 6 a.m. to midnight type mm -hmm. of role. Because launching a business, there's a lot of time and effort in that. So depending on what kind of business it is, there's going to be a lot of hours in it. But you have to pace yourself and, and monitor and get real clear on where your energy levels are and stop before you literally run out of gas. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't. You know, they're working late hours, they're fatigued, they're, they look at things. And when you can't focus on what's on your screen, or even discern, let's say you're looking at a spreadsheet, for example, if the numbers literally look like they're moving around, you need to shut the laptop down, you got to stop because the work you're doing right now isn't going to be any good. Yes, you need to do it. Yes, I have the mortgage payment. Yes, I got the car payment. I got to put my kids through school. I've heard all the excuses. I know it. I, I lived it. I, I get it. But to what cost? You know, oh, why are you killing yourself for this? Yeah, you want the business to be successful. We all know the stats about businesses and success. It's a long road. It's a marathon. So pace yourself. You're not going to go from zero to a $2 million company typically in a very short period of time. It, unless you have something that is in such demand and the market wants it, then sure, there's always those unicorns. But most of us, when we launch, it's very slow, methodical, getting everything in place, the infrastructure and all of that. So some signs of burnout. Number one, if you're not sleeping well and you haven't been sleeping well in a while, that's a big warning sign because your body needs sleep to repair the damage that we do to ourselves on a daily basis. And when we don't get sleep, then that means the damage that we did today gets piled onto the damage tomorrow. And then the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And then you could, too, also have clogged arteries and have to have stents in your heart, uh, like I do. And uh, I would recommend that. Uh, I, uh, just because the cardiologists are out there doesn't mean you want to have to use them. So sleep is a big, big factor in you know, noticing if you're fatigued and burned out is if you're not sleeping well. And also making sure that you do get good sleep in order to do that. 
Another sign we see a lot is, again, if you're fatigued, your head's in a cloud, you're not clearly thinking, which impacts your cognitive ability, it impacts your decision-making, it impacts your relationships, it impacts the quality of your work, it, it, it has so many different impacts on it. So if you are making mistakes at work or you find yourself short-fused with your loved ones or you're argumentative with everybody, that's definitely a warning sign. Uh, that you're burned out. And another sign that I, I tend to see a lot, and I had it with myself as well, is when you're burned out or you're under prolonged stress, which is what burnout is, is prolonged stress, you stop doing things in life you enjoy doing. And because you, quote unquote, don't have time, or you don't feel like it. That is a big, big red flag. You need to re- recognize really quick that if the things that normally interest you are not interesting anymore, that's definitely a warning sign to look out for. Wow, that's uh, that's uh, those are you know some pretty good nuggets there. And uh, thanks for you know you know sharing your story. Wow, I mean, I, I think I think that's uh, that is that's quite something. So I mean, you told that you told us about you know just the science to look out for and some of the healthier ways, right? You know, you said mm-hmm. you know, get as much sleep. What are some of the other healthier ways um, do you recommend? One, and this is probably not going to be a shock to anybody. You really need to watch out for what type of foods you're eating. Uh, for myself, a few years ago, I took a food intolerance test because I have some food allergies that I was aware of, but I took this test and it's available. You got to work with your healthcare provider typically in order to get it. Um, so you need a referral, but in some cases you may be able just to order it online depending on where you live. But it tested me on over 250 types of foods. Mm-hmm. And I got this one big, beautiful report that was color-coded. So you know, green, if it was coded green, those are foods that are right for me. That means my body naturally can absorb those foods, break them down naturally without any effort, and have them go through my digestive system and do everything that food is supposed to do. If it's yellow, then... Yeah, there, there's some concerns, you know, limit your consumption. Then, of course, if it's in the red page, then these are foods that you have an intolerance to. And there's degrees of severity. Some are more severe than others. I have a potato allergy, for example, and I knew that before I took the test. So potatoes are something that I should avoid uh, because I have an allergic reaction. It's typically, excuse me, inflammation. I don't need an EpiPen or anything like that. But it's something if I eat certain types of potatoes or how they're prepared, I will get some nasal inflammation. I used to think it was congestion, but it's not. It's just my nasal passages would get inflamed. So it gives you that sensation that you're you're stuffed up and I, there's nothing really in there. A lot of people claim there's nothing in between my ears either, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> but for the inflammation, you know, makes it feel like you're congested. So you're like, you know, trying, you know, trying to do things and there's really nothing in there that's congesting you other than just your passages are inflamed. So noting that I realized, okay, I need to eliminate those foods from my diet. And I know there's other foods as well that I did not know that I had a slight intolerance to. So what I've done since I took that report is I've adjusted my diet to do my best to just eat the foods that are on the green page. And by doing, and there's a lot, you know, it's not like, okay, you can eat kale salad and a carrot stick. No, it's not that severe. Thankfully, there's other foods that I can eat, uh, but there's some foods that I should probably avoid. Uh, Ironically, eggs are one that were in the, in the yellow section. 
um, ironically, um, saying mm, you might have some intolerances to this. And but the reason why I find that so ironic is the name of my company is Breakfast Leadership and my logo is an egg. So it's something that I shouldn't okay. eat and it's my business. So I'm not about to change my logo or my name, but I did find that kind of ironic. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess yeah. I'll, I'll I'll stick with some fruits and vegetables or, or something like that and, and try to minimize the consumption of that. So eating well and eating the foods that are right for you because it's fuel for your body. You know, there are some people that can eat fast food and doesn't bother them. Okay, go for it. You know, I'm I'm not going to get in between you and your nutritionist or dietitian. They'll have a different opinion on that, but. Find out the foods that give you that natural energy so you don't have that 2 p.m. crash where you need to go get the coffee or the Red Bull or something like that. Find the foods that give you the natural energy to sustain you through your day. And what you'll find is your body will work better. Your digestive system will work better. You'll sleep better because you're not trying to process foods that are basically a toxin to you just because you have an intolerance to them. Uh, like rice is another one. You know, rice, I have a little bit of an intolerance to where other people, they could eat rice all day, all night, and wouldn't have an issue at all. For me, there's a little bit of an intolerance, so I have to you know, monitor those things. But it was really helpful to get that. And another thing to do is, and I mentioned it before, you have to do things in life you enjoy doing. Even if you're working a lot of hours, let's say you know, at the time of this recording, it's tax season. So accountants and tax preparation people are working a lot of hours right now in the U.S. and Canada to prepare tax returns, long hours, because there's a lot of people, pretty much everybody's supposed to file the returns. So there's a lot of tax preparers that are working insane hours now until April. So we know, and ironically, that was my original career was in public accounting. So I remember those tax seasons. We knew that those were going to be long days and a long period of time. But knowing that, you prepare accordingly. You're like, I know this is going to be a short stint. It's going to be intense. What do I need to do to make sure that I'm prepared well for it? And even during those long weeks, I still went out with friends, still did things, would watch sporting events or listen to music or other things in life that I enjoy doing. I still did them because it's important for you to do them. You may not be able to do them as much, but don't cut them out because that's what it just makes things worse. Because if you're only working and working and working and not doing anything in life to detox yourself from work and just do something that's enjoyable, um, you're going to run into problems. And, you know, one of the challenges too with, you know, these wonderful devices called smartphones is they're great because they allow us to work or check email or messages anywhere at any time. But the negative side effect is they allow us to work anywhere at any time. And unfortunately, so many of us don't have boundaries around when we're working and when we don't, especially business owners. They're always working. And uh, that's something that needs to stop because you know, let's say you're successful and your business grows, but then you become too sick to run it or too sick to enjoy it, or you lose interest in the business. You know, that, that's a tragedy that can be avoided. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was factors that led you to being burned out and also applies a lot to business owners is the lack of delegation. And the mm-hmm. other thing is a lot of times business owners, sometimes when you start your first business or whatever, is your fourth business, but you're starting, you know, you're starting your fourth business. The amount of time that it takes, right? Because sometimes, like, you know, there's the folks starting their business for the first time, they may think, okay, I can do this much quicker because the law of physics doesn't, you know, business physics doesn't apply to me. And mm-hmm. then there's the other hand where, you know, folks like, okay, I've done this a couple of times, just on my first rodeo. 
I think I can leverage this and uh, my you know, previous experience and, and make it go quicker. And I know I've interviewed, uh, you know, at least one or two guests who say it doesn't matter. It's still, you still need that, you know, three year kind of ramp up period. So is it a question of folks um, not knowing or honestly, entrepreneurs tend to be naturally optimistic? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it is there a question of being hopeful that it, you know things can go quicker than it actually normally does, so they don't pace themselves? So we use the word pace; they don't pace themselves accordingly. Because if you know it's going to take you much longer, you can pace yourself. The second thing is: is it uh, when it comes to delegation? Is it a question of skill set, or is it a question of some kind of a personality thing? I know I'm throwing many things at it, and I can yeah, uh, so, yeah. Well, no, we'll, so we'll talk about we'll talk about the pacing. Right. Uh, you're spot on. You, this is a marathon, not a sprint, and that pressure. And a lot of times it's financial. I need to generate revenue to build this business. So uh, one of the, the great leaders that I've you know followed for a long time, Brian Tracy, one of the things that he has said you know, throughout his career in coaching and all of that is if you're a business owner and you, you list out all the things that you have to do as the business owner, you list all those things out. And on that list, pick the one thing that's going to generate the most money for you the quickest. Do that. Yes. Oh, but I got to get my Instagram post. I got to get my social media thing. I got to be on LinkedIn. I got to do this. I got to do a YouTube short. I got to do scatterbrained. It'll kill your business. You'll never focus on anything. List all the things as a business owner that you have to do. If it takes you a couple of days to list it out, list it. Even if it's take out the trash or all this stuff, list all of those things and then pick the one that will make you the most amount of money the quickest. Do that. Why? You're a business owner. You need revenue to come in to run your business. Once that gets going, then that money can help deal with the other stuff. It's a great exercise. I do it all the time. You know, I, I did it over the holidays. I literally looked at everything that I do and went, okay, what's the best revenue generating thing for me to work on? I mean, I know, but I I literally took the time to list everything out because that way it gives me the opportunity to go, okay, is there anything here that I'm still doing that I should delegate to? In another exercise, and I don't remember if it was Brian Tracy or Jim Rohn, may have been both of them have said something similar to this, where as a business owner, you basically say, okay, what do I want to make this year for your salary? So if you were working for somebody, you know what your salary is. So let's say you want to make $100,000 a year. Okay. Figure out in a 40-hour work week, even though you know you work more than that, but in a 40-hour work week, what's that hourly wage? So I'm going to just make it easy math right now and say roughly $50 an hour, just for the example here. If you're playing around on social media posts, would you pay somebody $50 an hour to send tweets or post stuff on LinkedIn or Instagram or anything like that? Would you pay somebody 50 bucks an hour to do that? No. Because that's not what the market rate is. You can go on these, you know, Upwork and Fiverr and all these other types of services and find people that'll do it for you a whole lot cheaper than that. And then they take care of it. They do. They're doing it better. They'll come up with graphics for you and it'll look good. And and you won't have to spend a lot of time. But I know the common challenge with entrepreneurs and business owners is, but that costs money. You got to spend money to make money. It's not all money in and nothing going out. It doesn't work that way. So you got to pick and choose your battles of what you want to do for your business. And it's really important to, and this is something that I've been fortunate enough to have, is work with a coach, a business coach that understands your type of business 
maybe they've worked in it and also study and connect with people that may be a couple of years ahead of you in their business journey. So let's say you launched your business three years ago, try to connect with some people that are doing similar work to you, maybe in your market, maybe in a different market that have been doing it for five years. Why? Because they've learned some things that you may not have encountered yet and they can guide you so you can kind of avoid potentially some pitfalls or maybe do something a little bit more efficiently. I'm constantly learning and, and studying people that are in business and, and and people that do similar work to me. And uh, you know, I have an agent, you know, because I'm a public speaker. So working with with their team and, and getting guidance on a lot of different things, not just here, go speak there type of thing. But no, there's a lot of guidance that they're providing me. And it's important because it's allowing me to narrow my focus on the things that only I can do to grow my business to the revenue that I want it to be at this year and beyond. And it, it helps with clarity knowing I'm going to focus on this. I'm not going to worry about Instagram or TikTok or all those other things. Somebody else is going to deal with that for me. And it, it, the sooner you can get to that and delegate those things that just take up too much time and don't generate any revenue for you, at least in initial, uh, the better off you're going to be. Well, let's talk about you know the, the employee and the work environment. What what would you suggest as a way a cultural environment that owners should strive to? Because obviously, employees look up to the owner. If the owner is kind of working late, some employees may feel like, hey, you know, we have to work harder than the owner. So, how does that example come into play as far as creating a positive cultural environment that prevents burnout in not just the owner but the employees as well? Yeah, well, we're, and you're spot on where you know a lot of employees will mimic their leadership. If their leadership is coming in early and working late, then they they feel that they need to do the same thing. Uh, and but what we're finding, and we saw this after the pandemic started, and the whole quiet quitting and great resignation is the pandemic basically turned on a spotlight on how we work, and what we're seeing in many cases is a lot of employees have decided no more. I'm not going to come in at 6 a.m. and work until 9 p.m. at night. I don't know what my kids look like. I barely know what my spouse looks like. I'm, I, I have season tickets to name the team. I can't go to the games because I'm working all these hours. Are you actually being productive? We know in the stats, in an eight-hour day, the actual productivity hours of an employee is less than four hours. And it, it, they can have the most efficient seamless work environment possible, but because of humans and silos and communication gaffes and uh, unclear direction, you know, waiting for clients, all this stuff, those add time delays. So what's happening is a lot of people are recognizing this and going, no, I don't want to do that. So they're either finding other organizations that don't have leaders that work those crazy hours or they're you know, quiet quitting. Another way to call it is mailing it in or malicious compliance to the job description. You know, They're showing up spot on 8.30 a.m. They're punching in. They're taking their breaks. They're taking their lunch, five o'clock, yabba-dabba-doo. They're out the door, not a second later. And you know what? I have no problem with that. Why? Because that's what the contractual agreement is between the organization and the employee. Asking people to go above and beyond there's nothing wrong with that if there's you know if it makes sense but to have that be the norm it's not healthy and organizations are recognizing that and i saw a stat this morning and i apologize for not having the source of this link cuz i need to dig into it more 
but it is estimated, and I, again, I need to find out where this resource is to see how valid this number is, that by 2027, potentially over 50% of the job market will be independent contractors. They won't work for a company. They will be an independent contractor. So let's say, you know, company X, you know, hires, you know, they have 50 employees that are working in their products line and things like that. By 2027, at least half of those people will not directly work for them. They'll be a contractor and they'll say, I'm coming in. I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. They'll lay it out. This is when I'm going to be there. And this is when I'm going to be leaving. They assign off on it and that's how it goes. What it's doing is it's leveling the playing field because for the longest time, the ownership, we control the money. You know, the employee has to do whatever they're told to get the money. And that's worked for a long time. But when the hours started increasing and the pay didn't start increasing, and then of course we know what's going on with inflation and everything else that's going on in the world right now, you know, the buying power uh, of money is nowhere near what it used to be. So people are struggling and they're going, you know what, I need to do something else. I got to freelance or take on a second job or come up with things to, to make this better. And or they you know, move to a more affordable area, which is why the whole remote work thing is is taking a, a life of its own. And people that think, oh, remote work is going to end, I seriously doubt that. I seriously doubt that. And if you think that's how it's going to be and it's going to end and people are all going to go back into the office all the time, um, I, I if I'm wrong, I'll be more than happy to come back on the show and say I was wrong but I don't think I'm going to be wrong on that. And people want that flexibility. And if the organization's not going to give it, there are a lot of others that will. So uh, again, it depends on the organization. There's some organizations that work really well with people. I know one, um, a mortgage company in uh, the greater Detroit area, they never went remote. They were 100% in person include during the pandemic. Wow. And I know, I know people that work there, they love working for that organization um, the organization's doing real well because the owner of it um, just bought a, a big stake in a professional basketball team. So he's not hurting, but I know his team, he takes care of his team as well from, you know, I know somebody that works there and he's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good place. It's a fun place to work. And that person that I know, you know, he, he's, he's not just a, you know, a pushover going, yeah, I'm going to work. I like my job. All that, you know, I can't know he, if, if he doesn't like something, he's going to tell you, and he enjoys working there. Uh, so it, it, there's, there's room for everything. There's room for organizations that will have people in person all the time. There's organizations that are going to be completely remote, and there's going to be uh, in between. And I think it over the next few years, hopefully, we will have people migrate to where it makes sense for them in their life at that particular moment in time, and we have more of a collaborative spirit as far as what work looks like for everybody uh, to create a, a, a an environment where you know culture is important uh, and and place where people feel like they can contribute they can list be listened to and work in their sweet spot to create great products and services that you and I benefit from when they do that are there like any other like personal beliefs that these owners have that tend to uh, lead them to uh, this uh, you know stage of burnout uh, I think the one, and we've kind of talked about it before, is you know thinking that no one else can do it better than them. Mm-hmm. And I learned that lesson the hard way where there's a lot of people that do things that I do a lot better than me. So I delegate as much as I can to them. Um, and 
yes, some that's like I said, it costs some money, but you can find things efficiently, and you can you know hire you know help you know again on those uh, online websites and 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 pay you know reasonable rates for somebody that works overseas. Now, some people will argue it's like, well, you're only paying them this an hour. It's like, well, yeah, but that dollar amount in an hour in that country is the equivalent of me paying somebody here $100 an hour. That's the buying power that they have in their currency with that money. Uh, so you have to look at it. It's like, is this benefiting them? They're allowing to do something really well and grow their skills. And plus, please, please tip those people. Okay. You know, give them a tip if you're they're working on something. It, it goes a long way. It really helps, especially if you want to use them again and again, which in many cases I've used the same vendors again and again on, on some things that I've had done. Uh, but yeah, that's the first thing is like, we, we think that we're the only one that can do it. And if you're the only one that can do it, here's the big problem. Let's say 10 years down the road or 15 years down the road, you want to retire and sell your business. If you're the only person that can do it, Who's going to buy it? There's nothing to buy. It's all with you. You're going to go work for them instead? No, you want to retire. You want to sell your business. So, and and that's an exercise too. And just a side note for every business owner here, if you have not done uh, an exit plan to get out of your business, do it. You may not plan on it. You may want to hand it off to your sons or daughters or family members or your business partner, things like that. That's great. Write that plan down too, because as we've known over the last few years, life can be pretty short and you may not get the opportunity to retire from an organization or a, a life loss or situation, or you have to become a full-time caregiver for a loved one. And all of a sudden you can't do your business anymore. These are things, map it out. Uh, and uh, there's a, a colleague that I have that does work in this space. I'm not going to plug his business or anything like that, but I will say, have a five-year plan, you know, and work on and figure out, okay, I'm going to you know, pretend that you're going to be selling your business in five years. Okay. What do you need to do between now and then? And there's a lot of steps. It's not just clean books and all that. No, there's a lot of prep work that needs to be done. Uh, and start thinking about that. Even though you may not be selling your business, at least having all those things in play will make it a lot easier for you to sell your business. But again, if you're the only one doing everything, you don't have a business. I mean, you you have basically you. You are the business. And if you want to sell it and get something out of it, if you don't have any assets other than you, you're, you're not going to get anything for it. No one's going to buy your customer list. That's not a problem. With Google and searches and all that stuff, they know who your customers are. It'll They don't have to pay for it. They can find that information really easy. So start figuring out, okay, what kind of business do I have? Uh, and and go from there. Great. Now, uh, let's turn to you. What do you do to help business owners deal with burnout? What I do is when I go into an organization, I do an assessment, of course. I you know, get the you know understanding of you know what are the challenges that they see. As we know, uh, in the consulting world, there's usually other challenges that they may not see. It's not a case where we're trying to drum up additional business. There's just some things that owners won't see because they're too close to the situation. So we go in, we kind of look at things and go, okay, what makes sense to, you know, I used to work in healthcare. So what are we going to do to stop the bleeding? Let's, let's, you know, let's get you stable first. And then from there, okay, what are the steps we need to implement to help reduce the strain and the stress that's causing the burnout? get you back to a healthier state. Then from there, if they're interested, and this is where the NLP and the cognitive behavioral therapy comes into play, 
a lot of people will get back to a state where they're not burned out, but the deeper work that should be done is figuring out why you burned out in the first place. And that's deeper because that's your habits, your thoughts, your beliefs, um, your programming, you know, the language that you use internally in your head saying, I have to do this as a business owner because X, Y, Z. Well, we have to address that and go, why is that important? What, where, where's the motivation behind that? And, and many times it's a situation where these are beliefs that were passed down from your parents or business leaders that you worked for and admired, and they did it that way. So that, that should be the way to do it. Not necessarily. Uh, you really have to understand you know, why you burned out because the idea is you don't want to go down that road again. I certainly don't. I mean, I, when your cardiologist who's about ready to put stents in your heart leans into you and looks at you and says, you know, you should be dead right now. Um, that's a wake up call. And I see too many business owners really flirting with that. You think you're healthy. You might not be. I don't know. I don't have access to your blood work. I don't want to. I look at mine and I nod and I go, wow, I'm much healthier than I used to be. And that's because I've done the work and I know how I feel. That's one thing that my family doctor told me after my cardiac event back in 2009. He said, you're going to be more aware of your body than you've ever been in your entire life. And he was spot on true. I feel everything. So if something's out of whack, I notice it and I go, mm, okay, is this something just temporary or is this something that's prolonged? And majority of the time it's temporary. And many, as I found out, a lot of it is going back to those food intolerances. A common thing with food intolerances is inflammation. So if your joints hurt, you know, your, maybe your knees, your feet or ankles or whatever, you know, if you got some aches and pains, it could be inflammation and that is caused by the food you eat. So Going back to that, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for people to at least explore looking into that just to kind of see what kind of foods are good for them and which ones aren't and adjust accordingly. And don't, and don't just uh, chalk it up to like old age, like, oh, I'm getting older. He may, he may be, you know, new to something else. So, right? Exactly. I, well, I know people that are, you know, decades older than me and they say, you know what, I don't have any joint pain because they, they understand. They take care of themselves. And Yes, our bodies are going to break down because like a machine, if you keep using it or like a pen, eventually this pen is going to run out of ink. And, right. uh, and just like us, you know, eventually our bodies do break down. Thankfully, there's replacement parts for some things, not everything. Um, if they get replacement brains, can you imagine the wait list for that? Um, now, it, it, won't be, it, it, won't be the, it won't be the person that's requesting a new brain. It's going to be their spouse or maybe their parents. So it right. won't be us. I don't need a new brain. Right. My brain works great. No, 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 it doesn't. So um, yeah, that's going to be, an, that'll be an interesting discovery and how that goes. And um, right. yeah. And you know, why do I have this urge to buy this thing for my spouse? It's like, oh, oh we put that chip in the brain. Oh, yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. welcome to Neuralink. Um, exactly. <laughs> All right, great. Well, how do you uh, thank you so much? Time just kind of flew by. I feel like I could talk to you, you know, forever. I really appreciate you coming in and sharing your thank insights, you. your expertise, and your story, which is just going to be very inspiring for a lot of listeners. Uh, how can people follow you, get in contact with you? Yeah, the best place is just go to breakfastleadership.com. Uh, there's links at the top of the page and uh, social media links and all that. I'm, I'm pretty active on Instagram. 
or not not in, you know, somewhat i'm getting more active on there you'll you'll see more videos and things like that going on there and also linkedin and twitter for sure uh but yeah breakfastleadership.com is the best place to find me if you want to reach out uh on the main page there's a, a contact me thing at the bottom you just fill in a couple things and send a note and someone will reach out to you and we'll have a conversation yeah breakfastleadership.com so Thank you very much. We're going to have that information to show us as well. So uh, thank you everyone for checking in. Uh, hopefully you took some insights out of this uh, on ways to see the science of burnout approaching and how you can uh, make sure that that doesn't happen. Till next week, bye for now.